Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. LeJean in a quarterback from Maryland. Looking at third and nine out with 30-yard line. LeJean gets the snap. Gets hit. Dropped. Oh, what a sack. Big time hit by JoJo Doman. Back at the 21-yard line. Doman's second sack of the year. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are Thursday night, Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. You picked a great night to listen in. we got a great show lined up. Practice report with comments from Matt Lubick, the offensive coordinator later this hour, and our second Nebraska football radio show of the year. Coming up in hour number two, the defensive coordinator, Eric Chenander. We'll be here to take your calls, comments, questions. We'll go through that defense in our number two. Looking forward to that. Teddy Greenstein will stop by in the third hour of the program, as he always does. And we'll have our Flicks picks of the week as well in our number three. Uh, ben, uh, Josh had it in the ticker that the, there was a practice report today. Matt Lubick met with the, with the media today. But to me, the highlight of the press gathering over Zoom was the mustache of Cade Warner. How good was that? Yeah, that thing's pretty impressive. I think it could win some awards. Cade didn't seem like he, he was, uh, you know, he thought too much of it. Um, while while th- th- that's, you know, that's great that, that he can have that sense of humor and, and do that. I, I think he, he won the presser today, not just because of his mustache, but what he had to say. I mean, if that doesn't sound like a Hall of Fame quarter, quarterback son speaking, I don't really know what that person sounds like. He was incredible today. And, it, um, you know, I think it, it speaks volumes to how we've got to ourselves in this predicament of, of Nebraska's wide receivers and Cade um, putting the work in and, you know, putting himself in a position to be one of Nebraska's most reliable targets. I don't think that's an accident, you know, hearing him speak today. So, I was very impressed with not only the stash, but what he had to say and how he came across and, um, you know, how he handled himself at the, at the entire event today. I, I was very impressed. Very poised. You're right. He talked about wanting to be a coach, thinks he would be a good coach. We heard early in a week from Austin Allen who said, yeah, he's roommates with Kate. He goes, Kate has a lot of the guys from the wide receivers room over to watch Monday night football and they're breaking down things and he's going over patterns and he's become a, a leader of that group along with Wandale Robinson. And there's no doubt, barring an injury, Cade Warner's going to play a lot of football for the Cornhuskers this year. And he started to really play quite a bit at the end of his true freshman season. Uh, and then last year it was his injury after injury that kept him halted. He had something in camp, got over it, got back for a week or so, got hurt. Another part of his body was out again. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the football IQ, Ben, off the charts. Off the charts with this kid. Yeah, it is. And I think it, it it's a, at a position in which Nebraska needs somebody like that. I think there are so many young guys out there that have some talent but don't necessarily have it all together uh, in the playbook or, you know, in the areas that are going to make him – make that particular player successful on Saturdays. Cade, Cade possesses that knowledge, and I think just that in itself is going to make it so he's going to be somebody that Nebraska relies on to, to, to give them plenty of snaps. And it doesn't matter what coach you talk to, Cade Warner is usually one of the first names mentioned out of the offensive staff's mouths with his reliability, um, his his health this year is allowing him to, to get a bunch of reps and make plays, and you know, I was rewatching uh, the Iowa game today, and you know, the third and sixteen, Cade Warner over the middle, huge, huge pickup. Go back to Iowa two years ago, Cade Warner makes the the reception in the end zone for the two point conversion while getting hammered in the ribs. This is a guy that I think, you know, if he's out there, he's going to be somebody that that we need to produce. And you know, he doesn't look like your prototypical four star wide receiver at six three, two hundred pounds, but. If he's going to be – if the quarterbacks know where he's going to be and they trust him to make the catch, he's going to get a heck of a look. Westerkamp-like to me. Now, I don't know that he's quite as talented as Jordan Westerkamp was for Nebraska, but 
understands where to be, understands where to go sit down on a route, where to go find the hole in the zone defense, or whatever the case may be, runs the right route so that the quarterback can trust him that, all right, if I throw this, if I throw a 12-yard out, he's going to be there. He's going to be at the 12-yard line, and he's going to grab it. Or if it's a 17-yard dig or whatever the case may be, he's going to be where he needs to be. And that's a large part of it. It was why Westerkamp was so good for Nebraska. He was always where the quarterbacks, and whether it was Tommy Armstrong or Tater Martinez or whoever it was throwing to him, they, they knew he'd be there. And, and I, Cade has a lot of those same qualities, and Nebraska is going to need him to be exceptional in the route running and the understanding of what he's out there to do because he doesn't have some of the physical gifts that like a Wandale might have or some other guys that in that room are, but he thinks his way around there. But you're right. He was very, very impressive today. Um, we'll, we'll hear more about him with some cuts we have coming up from Matt Lubick in just a little bit. Also, Josh had this in the ticker as well. Great news for Teron Liu, the former Husker basketball star. He is in line now to be the new coach of the Clippers. And this is a little odd to me from the standpoint that he was on the staff with Doc Rivers. And usually when you part ways with a coach, you don't promote right on from within. And But Teron is so deserving of another crack at this in the NBA after parting ways with the Cavaliers a couple of years ago. He, he coached a team in the into the NBA Finals when LeBron was with the Cavs. Uh, so he's he's had success on on the bench with the team, but it is a little odd to me that with because he was Doc Rivers' lead guy this past year that that's who they go with after they part ray, ways with Rivers, who now is in Philadelphia. But thrilled, Ben, for Teron Liu to get another shot of being a head coach in the NBA. Yeah, and I'm not going to pretend like I know the intricacies of the hiring process at at the NBA level. I I, I don't, but. To me, if you think about it logistically, if I if I'm a um, a franchise who was pretty successful, I would say I think the way they their season ended was definitely disappointing. Um, you're all you you re- need to replace a guy who had a ton of respect around the league and and in the locker room, and you know his pedigree was right toward the top. I would say um, if you have somebody on your staff that is garnering attention so much attention from other franchises and coaching vacancies you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't look within the walls at that at that candidate no matter who it is in this case Teron Lou you know imagine you know Alabama with coach Saban stepping down and then having uh, let's just say assume Kirby Smart's still there and have you know three or four really prominent schools that are after Kirby Smart wouldn't you think Alabama go, well, shoot, maybe we ought to think about, you know, what this guy could bring to the table if they weren't already doing that. Uh, so I, I can't say I'm overly I, – I understand everything that you said. It makes perfect sense. But if you lose a coach plus have other teams trying to poach another one of your assistants and have multiple inquiries, I mean, aren't you aren't you at least looking into what, what that guy could bring and give, it, give him a shot, give him an interview, and maybe that's what happened. Also, don't, we don't know – what were the players saying? Because I'm sure guys like Kawhi Leonard and some of those probably had a voice in this thing or, or, or expressed their opinions about it to the ownership group of the Clippers. And they were probably making a pitch for Teron Lou. We, we just don't know for sure, but I'm just, I'm thrilled for him. I'm glad he's getting another crack at this thing. Did a good job in Cleveland. Heck, it wasn't his fault that LeBron left and took everybody with him and they were bad the next year. I mean, that, that's not his fault. And that organization's not gotten off the deck since that happened a couple years ago. So that certainly wasn't, shouldn't have been pinned on Teron Lou the way that thing collapsed after LBJ left the program. All right, so that's what we're dealing with here on the program tonight. If you want to be a part of it, here are the numbers, 531-54686. You can also send us a text on our U.S. Cellular text line. Same number. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers U.S. Cellular Connecting Husker Nation. Wyatt and Alma does say, don't forget about Cade Warner's ability to block downfield. It's a big part of it, and he's good at that as well. So he's a very complete player out there for the Cornhuskers, and that's why he's going to get a lot of time coming up. All right, so when we come back, We'll dive into the practice report with comments from offensive coordinator Matt Lubick. That's next. 
Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you here on a Thursday night. Time for us to dive into another practice report. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Our practice reports. All year long, brought to you by our good friends at JTEC Construction. Football is back, and soon the cold weather will be too. If your windows aren't ready for winter, call JTEC Construction, the official exterior experts of the Huskers, for a free estimate. Offense day-to-day following the workout for the Big Red, which meant offensive coordinator Matt Lubick meeting with members of the media following practice today, and obviously a lot of answers to be Uh, coming of the question with the quarterbacks, particularly the competition, who the starter is. Did he name a starter? Here was his answer. Well, it's an on. First of all, we feel great about all our quarterbacks. You know, Luke and Adrian are playing at a very, very high level. And uh, just in the brief time that I've been here, I've seen huge improvements. it's an ongoing evaluation. We evaluate it every single day. They both can win for us. They both are moving the ball. Um, that's going to be a decision between Coach Frost, uh, Mario, and myself. That's going to come up very soon. Ah, the old quarterback controversy, Greg. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, the we haven't had very many of these in like the last 10 years, but I remember what it was like when – Coach Polini hadn't named a starter, and and Adrian, or excuse me, Taylor was the first one to run out there, and I I have not missed that at all. Of uh, the questioning, the, the who's it going to be? People calling in asking who's. It? I haven't missed it, and now we're starting to find out why. Every single media gathering, this is brought up, and it's that we're asking the players about it. Media are asking the coaches about it. They're asking the the assistant coaches about it and um they're gonna name them when they're gonna name it and and obviously the 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 narrative right now is they like both guys two years ago we had a similar situation right adrian martinez tristan jebbia we did not know until i think it was the the press conference the week of the game and that's when adrian was tabbed for that and then what was it a day later that that tristan announced he was transferring out of the program it's a delicate deal because you can only play one. And so, yeah, I understand it. I, I think that's probably where we're headed, Ben, is it's going to be the Monday press conference announcement here in, what, four days, three for four days. That's when it's going to probably be finally released. Well, obviously the answer wasn't um, sufficient enough uh, when asked who the starter was going to be. So the follow-up to maybe pry a little more information out of the offensive coordinator was what's going to determine – the starting quarterback, what characteristics will they need to have? There's a lot of things, but to be the biggest thing is who gives us the best chance to win? They both can win. They both can play. But who gives us the best chance? And the fact that it's a hard decision is a good, is a good situation because, like I said, we got two guys we feel really good about. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the answer to the end of time and has been. You know, yeah. Coaches aren't going to put somebody out there that I don't think is going to help them win games. And I, you and I have talked about this during the week. I, it's a good thing. We've got two good quarterbacks. And I think uh, programs, and you know, thinking about some Big Ten teams the last couple of years, would kill to have one guy that was clear-cut starter. We, I think I feel good about this spot getting ready to launch into this season. I do as well. Well, game day, uh, you know, we're not quite sure what the logistics will look like for Matt Lubick being a first-year head coach. Where will he be? Will he be down on the field, up in the box? Uh, what is his game day routine like? Well, I'm, I'm kind of figuring that out. So we've done a couple test runs, and I will be in the box. Uh, coach Frost and I will talk a lot on the headsets together. Um, you know, to, the biggest thing about the game, I think the game gets blown out a little bit out of proportion. It's more the preparation before the game. You know, it's the plan that you have going into the game. The game is pretty much already called. You just got to be prepared for when those situations come up. And so it's a matter of, you know, all of us offensive coaches being on the same play, same page, and, and more importantly, our players being on the same page and feeling comfortable what's going to be called and be prepared for those moments. And then in the game, you know, 
you've rehearsed it so many times. That's the easy part, to be honest. That's where just it should come natural. That's that's definitely one way. I mean, I haven't ever really heard it phrased like that before, but um, I mean, it kind of sounds like they they've got a system down of how they they want this thing to look. Yeah, that that's a way oversimplification of the whole process. I mean, I, to to act like the game's the easy part, the game's where you've got to make the adjustments. The game is where you have to lock in your concentration and block out everything that's going around you and the madness that you're watching in front of you. That's that's where that's what separates people. Everybody can do the prep work and get it ready to roll. And I, it's how do you react to what you're seeing on the field? What adjustments do you make once you find out what the other team's trying to do to you? So. To me, that was a way oversimplification of their job. That the easy parts of the game. Oh, I, I don't, I don't know that I go with that. Yeah, I mean, that, at that point, you're assuming that the, your opponent hasn't done any preparation on you and are, are, haven't put a, put a plan together for how, in this case, they're going to stop the offense. But I don't want to diminish Ben the importance of prepping and getting ready and having your team locked in on a game plan. That, that, that's all huge. No, no doubt about it. But to act like the game's the easy part, I, I don't, I don't know that I go with that. What about what you find out after the first game? I mean, I, you, you know what you know, and that's that's the dumbest saying ever. But you, I mean, you 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 will learn a lot about what you have, and you're you as a coach, and specifically in camp, you're you're only looking at your guys, so it's hard to completely know, you know, strengths and weaknesses until after that that first game happens coach Lubick was asked about that today and how much he'll learn about his team after Ohio State I think most coaches will say you make your biggest improvements after your first game um, because that's where you just you see live stuff against other people now we've been doing as much of that as we can against ourselves but it's still different when, when you're going against a good opponent um, so we expect uh, after we we expect to be ready for our first football game but you're always going to get improvement after your game and to do our best to be ready for the first game, we've done a lot of live. We've done a lot of live football, and, and we've tried to put them in every situation possible that can come up into a game. In saying that, there, there's still no substitution for actual game reps. Yeah, what's that saying? You, everybody's got a plan until you get hit in the face. It's kind of kind of <laughs> the same thing, right? I mean, it's yeah. um, you know, it is it is a lot of learning, and it's and it's a lot of tinkering with things as as it happens. So, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. What? Does Coach Lubick know about the offense now that he didn't necessarily know before? Here was his answer to that. Well, you know, you know, last year I kind of watched him just as a fan, like you guys. So you guys were at the game. I was watching him on TV with a with a soda and a coke on the couch. So just getting to know him, and uh, I love the the personalities of the guys, how competitive guys are. Uh, we have a lot of guys that love football, and you know, especially when. You know, as people's mindsets have been tested through this pandemic and are we going to play or are we not going to play? They've really motivated the coaches, our, our players, just because of their work ethic every day and nothing's really rattled them. So very impressed just who they are as people. They'll be put to the test here in just over a week against Ohio State. Well, now that we're approaching a week away from, from kickoff, where can – this offense still get better? Are there any areas right now that they're still trying to improve or, or hone in on before they tee it up with the Buckeyes next Saturday? You always think you can get better. I mean, right up till Friday of a game time, there's always something you can be a step faster at, uh, maybe a quicker read, a quicker decision. And so it really applies to every position. I, I'm very happy. I know every coach is going to say this with our progress and how hard our guys have worked. Um, we have a lot of good competition at different positions. Guys are playing fast. And part of playing fast is knowing your assignments. And I think they've done a great job of our assistant coaches of ingraining their assignments so guys don't have to think they can just play. Um, but we, like, we're always going to try to take the next step. And so, you know, we just got done with the practice today. We're going to go back and evaluate every single play and see where we can get better. And that's, that's part of just improvement in general. Ben, one thing that's, I think, been lost uh, from last year to this year is that Greg Austin has been named the run game coordinator. So what that's going to mean is that every play, he's going to make a suggestion on a running play. And and then I think you're going to have, um, you know, Matt Lubeck is going to look more at the passing game, and then Coach Frost will make the ultimate decision. But 
That's a change. Everybody talks about the Lubick change, and that's big. Now, don't get me wrong. That's big. He's handling a position, and he has the title of offensive coordinator. But Greg Austin has that title of run game coordinator. And, and I think there, I think that could be telling. We may see some more different wrinkles and maybe more of a stick-to-itiveness of, of keeping the run game part of the offense because Greg Austin's going to be in the air, too, of these guys play after play after play. Yeah, I don't know that even sitting here today, anybody could could tell you how that how this is going to go, except for maybe you know the four or five coaches that this affects. But I think I think even them to a certain degree will find out on game day how this dynamic is going to work. Um, I, I'm intrigued to see how how this plays out and what type of rhythm they can get into. And and for Coach Austin, I, I'm happy that he gets this opportunity, and mm-hmm. I think it it could you know, really help somebody who's who's so focused on running schemes and offensive line and personnel and matchups in the trenches. Who knows how that dynamic, maybe, maybe that's going to be a, a tremendous help. If Husker fans are looking for something to do in the next week before the Ohio State game, go back and watch the Iowa game and go look at the difference in the game plan from the first half to the second half. There was a concerted effort by Nebraska in the second half to try to really establish the run game against Iowa. And I think there were conversations at halftime about, what are we doing? We're trying to trick them. We can move them. We Our offensive line is good enough. We can move them. And if you go back and watch this, the second half, you will see Nebraska moving the ball on the Hawkeyes with the run game. And I think that is probably where the light bulb went off for Coach Frost to go, Hmm. I, I need to put Greg Austin in charge of this run game thing moving into next year. Well, how about the other game that they ran it really well in? The Wisconsin Badgers. Wisconsin Diedrich Badger Mills yeah, was going nuts against the Badgers front seven. Yep. All right, we've heard a lot about Wandale. We've, we've heard a lot of speculation about Omar Manning. We've talked a fair amount about Cade Warner. What about some of the youngsters? Xavier Betts, Jamie Nance, Demarion Houston. We haven't heard a lot of th- these names get brought up. Coach Lubick addressed... Uh, some of those names here today. Uh, well, all three of those guys, we've seen improvement. Um, really good attitudes. Uh, you know, Xavier is the newest out of all those guys. He's really, the last two weeks, came on um, and, and has a chance to help us, which is, that's a challenge for a freshman. And then the other two guys, just from this, you know, they were both here last year, and they've, they've all taken steps. And the good thing about that position uh, is we have a lot of depth um, and guys that can play for us. Yeah, Xavier Betts isn't somebody that's that's gotten a lot of play just yet. And granted, he is he is a freshman. He's still figuring things out. But um, another guy that, uh, you know, is in the mix, big-bodied player, and, of course, local interest being from Bellevue, Coach Lubick was pressed on Xavier Betts a little bit more. Would he be in the rotation right now uh, if the Huskers were able to go play? Here was his answer. We have not made that decision. Um, Xavier in the last two weeks has made some big steps. Uh, he's getting reps, you know, with the twos. Uh, we do a lot of reps, so we, we're able to rep some of our freshmen and give them shots with the ones. We have ones, twos, and threes, and we kind of intermix them. Uh, it's too early to say. He, he's made some big improvements. I do think he'll help us this year. But as for this week, we, we haven't decided on that. And when it comes to how many guys you're going to play in a rotation, you're going to play as many guys that can help you win. The, the, if we feel confident in a whole bunch of guys that know their assignment and can help us win, we're going to play more guys. If we feel confident in just four guys, we're going to play those four guys. Uh, fortunately, we, we feel confident that we'll have multiple guys that we can kind of move in and out there that can execute and win us football games. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You're not going to put anybody out there that's not ready. But you mean, in, in team, in terms of keeping guys fresh, you you hope you have a rotation of four, five, potentially six guys. Uh, I I think Nebraska um, is an intriguing spot at the wide receiver position, and I got to be honest, I, I'm excited about some of the parts that we have at receiver. But you you'd think by year three we have more guys that you know the wide receiver isn't necessarily such a curiosity with an offense like this where you're going to catch you know 30 40 50 balls and hopefully score four or five touchdowns 
you'd like to think that this this is a spot to where Nebraska could could be settled and stable from year to year, and and hopefully, beginning this year and, and further on, that 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 that's the case. But you know, we need a few more rocks. We need a few more guys that you can count on that can run routes. Are going to be what they're going to be. The um, Stanley Morgans guys that were playing Ohio State backs against the wall. Adrian Martinez can throw one up near our sideline and Stanley Morgan can catch it for a 40-yard gain and, and really take some of that momentum back. You need more guys like that. And, and you need it can't just be one player. And that's, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to this year to see if any of these receivers can become that. Or tight ends. Let me add that little wrinkle in there too because if you go and you watch Oregon's offense or UCF's offense – the tight ends are making those big plays down the seams. and we, We've seen it a few times. I'm not saying we haven't seen it at all the last two years. But, Ben, I think that, I think that ability is there to open that thing up because if you're pressuring guys with speed people on the outside, that middle ought to be open a little bit at times for you to try to navigate that. So don't, don't forget that part of this offense as well. No doubt. And that's, there's a room full of them that I think mm-hmm. can, can do that, those types of things. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Football Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Brandon Peters lowers the hand, gets the shotgun snap, back to throw, looks, holds, has plenty of time, plenty of time. Now guns it downfield, and the pass is going to be intercepted, picked off at the 10-yard line by Cam Tanner Britt. He's to the 20 and gets up to the 21-yard line. Cam Tanner Britt's second pick of the year, and there's a turnover forced by the Black Shirts. A weekly look inside the Cornhusker football program. McFarland in the backfield winning fourth and one from the 40. They turn. Give it off to McFarland. He gets stuffed and stopped short. He did not get the first down. Oh, the Huskers fired through there. Ben Stilley knocked him down, and the Huskers will take over on downs at the 40-yard line. What a great hit. Tonight, defensive coordinator Eric Chandrier. Lejean in a quarterback from Maryland. Looking at third and nine now at the 30-yard line. Lejean gets the snap. Gets hit. Dropped. Oh, what a sack. Big time hit by JoJo Doman. Back at the 21-yard line. Doman's second sack of the year. Proudly brought to you by Channel. Channel Seedsman place products to perform across Nebraska. Get expert advice that yields results at channel.com. Now here's the host of the Nebraska Football Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to our second show of the fall. We're now nine days away from the opening game of the year for the Big Red. If you want to be a part of this one tonight and ask a question of the Husker defensive coordinator, here the number, 531-500-4686. That also doubles up as our U.S. Sagittar text line. You can fire off a text if that is easier for you. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Sagittar Connecting Husker Nation. And great to have Coach Janander with us here tonight. First of all, how, how was practice today? Let's just start with that. Uh, it was pretty good. You know, uh, we we got a few few more periods of good on good, and it started to introduce some scout team stuff, but I thought the uh, energy was good today. It was good to be outside and, uh, you know, good to be uh, playing football again. So you have kind of flipped the script from a camp mode to a, a game week mode, right? Was today maybe the first day you did that? Yeah, kind of the first day we got uh, some scout periods in, but you know, um, you know, our offense. Um, to be honest with you, the speed of the game going against the good on good guys, and um, they can, you know, they run. I wouldn't say the same plays, but some of the similar stuff that you know we're going to see through a lot of the the Big Ten season. So they can give us some some pretty good looks, and we can kind of give them a little bit of what they're going to see uh, throughout the season. So as much good on good work as we can get, I'm always in favor for. How challenging has this been because of of a different kind of schedule? Uh, you, you couldn't put pads on until I think the 30th of September. Has it? Have you had to condense a lot of things, or is it worked out similar to what a normal August would be? Um, you know, I think it's it's been similar, but not the same. I mean, you know, when you go into the regular uh, two-a-day camp mode, I guess it used to be two days. Now it's kind of different. But <laughs> when you go into that fall camp, yeah, when you go into the fall camp mode, it's uh, it's unlimited time with the guys. And when we started, they were in class, so it goes that kind of twenty hours a week that you can spend with them, and, and certain amount of those hours are weight room plus on the field plus meetings. So it, you didn't you didn't get as much time with them. Definitely not as much meeting and walkthrough time as you would through camp. And you've mentioned a couple times that you have gone good on good. Has that been a pretty big part of the last three weeks? 
Yeah, I think and I think that's pretty standard for anybody. You know, you want to get as much good on good. Like we said, you know, you want to see uh, not so much that you know we're we're trying to trick the offense with the with the blitz, or they're trying to trick us with some kind of crazy play, but just so we can see, you know, the best guys in the team blocking the best defenders on the team and the best receivers running routes against the best corners just so we can replicate that speed of the game as much as we can. And, you know, now we'll, we'll starting to get into more of a game mode where we're, we're seeing some of the exact looks we're going to see, um, you know, come game week. But I just, I just like going, you know, good on good and, and seeing as much good football as we can and, and making those adjustments before we get into game week. Jens, what's it been like having Mike Dawson back on the staff? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's great to have uh, Mike back on the staff. You know, our whole staff has, has worked with him, um, you know, other than Tony, but we've all worked together at least for three years, a couple at, at Central Florida and, and then one at Nebraska, and then I had a history with him in the NFL. Um, but it's great to have him back. Just I know him. I know his personality. He brings some energy to the group and some new ideas. Um, you know, he's just a good guy to have around the building, so I'm, I'm real happy that we have him back. He takes over a position in those outside backers that it's not not that the guys have been bad at that spot, but I think you, you would agree you've got to be better at the outside backer position than you've been the last couple of years. How's he been how's he been doing with that group? Yeah, I mean you can see that uh, that group improving and um, you know, he's got some some guys that are, you know, fresh to uh college football or, or at least uh, Big Ten football, you know, some guys coming from whether they're high school guys or, or junior college. Um so they were kind of, um, you know, he was their first coach. So that was that's either good or bad, uh, depending on how you look at it. But he's done a great job with those guys. They, they improve uh, every day and week to week, and they've gotten so much better since um, we started at the beginning of the year. Coach Shenander with us until the top of the hour, so plenty of time for you be, to be a part of this one, either via a call or a text, the number 531 Let's go to the phone. Drew and Plasmuth, you are up with Coach Shenander. Good evening, Drew. Hey, Coach. Uh, I just want to say good luck going into next week. I certainly don't uh, envy uh, who we're going against, and your job is going to be tough this first week. But um, I just wanted to ask you, in terms of individual development, if you can maybe single out some guys that you really see as the most improved players on defense and who should – you think are anticipating really elevating their game this fall um, compared to last year. So I'll just hang up and listen. Thank you. Thanks. Um, Yeah, good question. I mean, I've seen a lot of growth out of, you know, the first string unit, especially, even though we don't exactly have that solidified uh, quite yet because of, uh, you know, there's been some guys banged up and guys getting a lot of reps, but uh, you know, that, that, the defensive back group is, is kind of an anchor for us right now um, because of so much experience with the Caprio Boodle and um, Cam Taylor, Markel Dismuke, and obviously Deontay Williams got hurt last year, but I thought he was going to have a great year before his injury, and I think he'll have a great year um, this year. So I don't know if you'd say those are the most improved players because, uh, you know, they've already been in a lot of game action and had a lot of uh, – um, good football already, you know, guys that, you know, we, we probably are looking forward to having big years or, you know, Caleb Tanner on the edge and, uh, you know, along with the, you know, a trio of new guys that coach Austin's got, I think um, Colin Miller and Will Honus are slated for a big year inside as well as Luke Reimer, you know, rotating in a lot, getting a lot of playing time and, and spelling those guys. And then up front, you know, you're just going to have a lot of new faces. Everybody knows we lost, you know, three guys that are in the NFL now. So uh, up front, there's going to be a lot of new faces. But I think Coach Tioti's done a great job with those guys. You know, Ben Stilley's looking to have a great year. And Damian Daniels, um, some of those guys. And then some new faces, you know, like Ty, like Ty Robinson's going to have a, a big year. And I think a guy like, you know, Casey Rogers and DeAndre Thomas. Um, you're going to see a lot of faces rotating in and out of that defensive front, um, which is a good thing. But I think those are probably, if you're saying who's going to have a you know, the most improved. I don't know if that's most improved because nobody's seen them yet, but I definitely think that people are going to be uh, uh, pleased with how they perform up front. You, you started with the secondary, so let me go there. You, 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 you've had some guys that have gotten nicked up, but you did lose Braxton Clark for the year. Who among some of those young DBs is maybe going to get some snaps with Clark now on the shelf for the year? Yeah, I think there's, you know, 
there's a, a lot of guys that could, um, you know, the DB positions, one that, you know, doesn't need to rotate as much as probably the big guys up front because those guys are can run a lot. But I think some guys that you're going to see in there, especially in some nickel and dime packages and, and also given, um, you know, given some rest to a lot of the starters, um, you know, at corner, that corner position, you know, I think Quentin Newsom's going to have a really good year and a really good career at Nebraska. Um, you know, R.J. Delancey and, and Timon Lineham have played really well um, out on the edge for young guys. Uh, safety position, Miles Farmer, uh, Noah Pola Gates, uh, those guys have, have done a really, really nice job so far. So I think you're going to probably see a lot of those young, young faces in there getting quality reps um, as we get through the Big Ten season. Braxton was going to be good for you, wasn't he, for the year? Yeah, he, yeah, Braxton was doing a really good job, and it was a, an unfortunate deal, kind of a kind of a, just a freak injury. But he was doing a really nice job, and, and we were looking forward to getting him a lot of reps this year. Coach, how much did you miss Deontay Williams last year? I think you, you missed him a lot because you know he's a he's number one. He's a really good football player and a great guy to have in the program, and um, you know he brings the standard of the of the defense up. But you know also. The musical chairs that got played, which you know may have been a, a you know a blessing or a curse. He had a lot of guys that had to play a lot of different positions and learn different jobs, and I think that'll make them better in the end. But at the time, it probably you know wasn't the best situation for us. But hopefully, uh, hopefully, it turns out to be a positive in the long run. You mentioned Cam, and everybody loves Cam Taylor. He's just been such a fun guy to watch play the last couple of years, and we've seen him all over the place back there. We've seen him at corner. We've seen him at nickel. We've seen him at safety. Where is he best at in your eyes? Um, I think he's probably, you know, and I, like you said, he's played, a, you know, he's played really well at all his positions, but I think he's probably better um, at corner or in the slot, you know, at nickel. I think those are probably his best positions right now. Is he is he developing leadership skills for you? Yeah, he is. You know, and he's a he's a vocal guy. Um, you know, but he's he's in a room with a lot of uh, a lot of uh, elder statesmen, if you will. So there's a lot of leadership out of that group. But he is developing himself as a leader. Um, who and and the other levels of your defense? Who who would you describe as leaders on, on that side of the football? The D line, Ben Stilley is is probably the longest in the tooth guy up front for you. But how about some other leaders that you've seen emerge in the last few months on that side of the ball? Yeah, I think you know, obviously, you know, like you said, Ben Stilley is kind of the leader of that group, and he does a great job. Um, you know, he's he's I've, I always see him in the film room, helping coach up those young guys, and he does a really nice job with the D line. Um, Colin Miller's done a great job leadership. Uh, Will Honus is, um, you know, he's, he's steady. He's a quiet guy, but he's steady and everybody knows how hard he works. Um, you know, and in, in, in the back end, it's, it's kind of all those seniors, um, especially probably DiCaprio Boodle is, is, you know, taking on a big time leadership role for us. Welcome back. It's our Nebraska football show here on a Thursday night, nine days out from the opener against the Ohio State Buckeyes. Defensive coordinator Eric Chenander with us. Let's go to our text line. Carla says, good evening, gentlemen. What positives has the coach seen coming out of this COVID-restricted football season? So she's she's looking for some positives. What, what have you seen? Oh, uh, man, positives. I guess uh, – you know, we all got to spend a, a, a little bit more time with our family as we were doing all the Zoom stuff. So that's a positive. And, um, you know, we had a lot a lot more meeting time, uh, even though it was on Zoom and those types of things. But we, we had a lot of, uh, you know, we were able to meet with the kids and watch a lot of film. Um, and I think our guys took advantage of um, the off time. I think they kept their bodies in pretty good shape and they, they kept themselves in, in, in really well physical condition and, you uh, you know, another positive was we had a, a chance for our guys to, you know, concentrate on, on academics and also maybe some internships or, or, or things they might be interested in that they normally wouldn't have had a chance to do because we'd have been in spring football or fall football. Um, so, that, you know, that's a, that's a great advantage to us. They could get some of those hard classes out of way or load themselves up so they could, you know, be lighter in the, in the season and or graduate a little early. So I think that's a, that was a big-time positive. Think you've got a stronger football team. It was a lot of additional time in the weight room for the guys, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. 
it really was. And, you know, Coach Coach Duvall and his staff did a great job with the guys, and they had to work overtime during this period. But um, they, had, they had a great plan and a great program. And, you know, they had to adapt and uh, adjust constantly as, as things changed, you know, what we could do, what we couldn't do, when the guys could be here, when they couldn't, how big the groups could be. Um, so they had a lot to overcome, but they did a great job uh, with getting the guys ready. So I, do, I think we are a stronger football team. All right, back to the text line. This is simple. How's Garrett Nelson been doing? Garrett Nelson's uh, been doing really well. Uh, you know, he had a he had a little shoulder injury that we had to get uh, cleaned up after the season, so he was a little bit of non-contact for a while. But he's uh, he's been coming back, and we all know that you know he loves the he loves the game of football, and uh, he loves playing at Nebraska, and he's going to give you everything he's got all the time. So it's always awesome to watch him out in the practice field. He has a little energy, doesn't he? He's got a motor. Absolutely, yeah. He's a he's a guy that you know needs to needs to keep the tempo high in practice and helps uh, set the tone for everybody else. So you got is how how valuable can a guy with that kind of a motor be? Like even on special teams for a football team? Yeah, I just I think you know there's there's always a place you know there's always a place to put him and he's going to, he's going to bring that energy, whether it's in the locker room or the sideline or on the field and whether it's, and he doesn't care if it's special teams or if it's, you know, third down to win the game, he's going to bring the same energy all the time. All right. Another text. And I was going to get to this myself, but it now it's up with you. How, how would you assess your depth across your defensive line? You, you touched on a, a little bit in the first segment, but what about, what have you seen the last few weeks? Uh, you know that depth is really, <laughs> excuse me. That depth is really uh, starting to, to show itself a little bit. You know, we already talked about you know some of the uh, some of the guys that were previously here and, and some of the freshmen, and then you got the addition of some junior college guys like Jakeem Green and Jordan Riley. Um, so I feel really good about where that group's at. And like I said, Coach Tuyote's done a great job with those guys, and uh, they play hard. And, and you know they're physical up front, and they're 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 getting to the point where they're they're getting a lot of confidence in what they can do. And um, you know our whole line has been giving us a great look, and there's been some slugfests in practice when it was um, you know full pads and full ghosts. So that's always great to see. And um, you know we just got to get ready to play against the, the the most physical conference in the country. And I think we've we've done that. You have a couple of defense, a junior college players along that defensive line. One you've had for a year in Keem Green, and the other one's Jordan Riley. How has their, how have they adapted, and, and how much progress have you seen in Keem in, in the last year? Um, Keem's made a lot of progress. You know, he he was a guy that was kind of a late qualifier getting here, and you know he he had he wasn't with us. So he wasn't in great shape last year, and we got him, and he did an unbelievable job with his body um, in the weight room with Coach Duvall, uh, getting himself down. You know, he's he's still a big, big man, but getting himself, you know, looks like a looks like a one of those guys that should be playing on Sunday. Now his body's transformed, and um, he's done a great job learning the package and uh, just just developing. And Jordan Riley's come in here, and uh, I tell you what, he's been. He's been a pleasant, pleasant surprise when he when he can go, he really goes, and he's he's a big, big man. He's hard to block, so I'm really happy with both those two guys. Sometimes it takes a while with junior college players, right? I mean, people kind of assume they're going to come in and be, hit the field right away, and that happens sometimes. But uh, other ones aren't quite ready yet to go. Has that been your experience coaching at this level? Yeah, you know, I think to be honest with you, most of the guys that we've had whether it be nebraska or oregon or central florida or any, anywhere we've been um even back to northern iowa most of those guys that end up you know playing in the nfl or or getting a shot um you know those guys you know the first year they're they're you know kind of feeling things out and getting used to a new system and getting used to a new way of life and that second year is kind of when most of them you know really come alive so i, I think you got to be you just got to be patient with those guys you know, it really helps when you can recruit some guys that are, you know, three years to play two with the red shirt, and they can go through that first year and get accustomed to everything. Back to our text line. Coach, last year, yards per carry was a little high. How have you worked on rush defense in the offseason and getting ready for this year? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a <clears throat> excuse me, a big emphasis um, for us, obviously, um, not where we wanted it to be. Um, so we put a, a big onus on, on run fits and, and stopping the run. Um, 
you know, there's some difficult there's some difficult teams to defend in the Big Ten. Some guys that have running quarterbacks and some other you know guys that just want to line up and smash you. So you get to see all different gambits, which is is a fun it's a fun for me. It's fun for the players. I think you get to see all the different offenses from across the country in one conference. But um, stopping the run has has been a huge a huge point for us. Not only stopping the run, but um, not giving up some some big plays um, that maybe prevented us from winning. You know significantly more games last year so uh, those are two things we've concentrated on uh, I mentioned the junior college the f- d- defensive lineman Phil Darius Payne has been I guess moved to outside backer and Nico Cooper also working at that outside linebacker spot how have those two junior college guys adapted uh, those guys and those guys are kind of what you're talking about um, I think you're going to see both those guys in games and they're, they're kind of a work in progress yet, yep. but they've both done a really good job. Um, you know, and it's just for, for Feldarius, it was, you know, got here a little bit later than, than Nico. Um, but I think both those guys are, are just, you know, it's just, a, it's just a different level of play and it's just a, a different level of scheme. And, a, and, you know, it's a, it's a very regimented lifestyle. And I think those guys have done a really good job adapting to that. And I'm, I like what they're, uh, what they're bringing us right now. Staying at that outside backer position, Coach, JoJo Doman, when he's been healthy, he's been a playmaker for you the last couple of years. It, what, what kind of year are you expecting out of JoJo? Well, I, I, I told, um, you know, I think I told JoJo this on multiple occasions. I think JoJo's as good as he wants to be. Um, so I, I would expect a big year from JoJo. Uh, you know, his – all he has to do is, is focus on doing his job and execute. And when, when he does that, big big plays happen. Um, he he's made some big plays already, but I think he's got a lot more lot more to give. And uh, not in a negative way, but I think he's he's a guy that's got all the potential in the world. And we know that's a dangerous word, but I really expect him to have a really great year. And I I, I hope he makes a lot of great plays for us. Good. And then the the last position that we really haven't touched on much is is your inside backers, Muhammad Barry. Took a lot of snaps for you the last two seasons. How about filling those shoes, and what have you seen from that group in camp? Yeah, I think, um, you know, Colin Miller and Will Honus, um, you know, really developed through the year last year, and I think that they were playing at a high level at the end of last year. And I think Luke Reimer, you know, we saw flashes of him. You know, I saw it every day, but, you know, you know, the general public saw flashes of him when he got in the football game, and I think, you know, he's a really good player. Um, Nick Henrich has been playing all over for us. He's played some inside. He's played some outside, and I think you guys are going to see uh, a lot out of him this year too. So I, I feel good about where that group's at. Three-man rotation, about what you want on that inside, or is obviously you'd love to have more than that, but it's, it's sometimes hard to get a lot of snaps if you go much deeper than three in those two spots, isn't it? Yeah, um, and, I, you know, what you need is, you know, you need at least three. You know, if you have four, that's really good. And I, I think, you know, Nick would have definitely been a fourth. Um, you know, we're trying to decide right now, you know, what, what's the best place to put him. He, I think he's a really good football player, and I, I need to get him on the field. So um, he's kind of filling a lot of different roles for us right now. So it'll either be three or four in there. You're going to play in, in Ohio State a, a spread attack from the Buckeyes. How how much playing time do those inside guys get against that scheme? I mean, they're they're on they're standing over next to you a lot, aren't they? Standing over next to me. What do you what do you mean? In a, when you're facing a spread offense, you don't have both of them usually out there both that time, do you? Aren't you more nickel and, oh. and those those sets? Yeah, I mean the inside backers. You know, Ohio State's going to be in in you know at least they've shown. In the in the past years, they've shown a lot of eleven personnel. Okay. Uh, so we'll get in some nickel. We'll keep we'll get nickel, but keep the uh, inside backers in both those guys. And then when we get into the dime crew, well, there's only one of them in. Um, so you know, that potentially in that package, um, whether you're facing ten or eleven personnel, they could be getting a lot of snaps, or they could be getting very little. It just kind of depends on on what the uh, offense is. But you know, Ohio State. Uh, even though they're a spread football team, they do a really good job of running the football, and they they want to run the football. So I think you're gonna you're gonna need some 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 big guys in there. You're gonna need some big inside backers in there a lot of the game. And then the next week, you definitely. I mean, they don't come off the field against a Wisconsin offense, do they? I mean, they're, they're, that's the pound that's the pound offense of this league. Yeah, that's uh, 
that's a that's a big boy football game. You know, that's you know everybody's playing in a in a phone booth, and we got to go stop the run. Um, you know, and that's one of the games where it's going to come down to the line of scrimmage, and if we can own the line of scrimmage, can the linebackers, you know, get to their open gaps and make tackles? But that's that's definitely a big boy football <laughs> game, and I'm I'm looking forward to that football game. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Well, we finally have some actual Big Ten football game time. That was it was exciting on Monday when that dropped, wasn't it? It was pretty exciting, um, just in the vein of everything the Big Ten does nowadays takes like five times longer than it should. You know, obviously we went through the whole period of they're going to play, they're not going to play, they're going to play, they're not going to play. And um, it's often hard to get information from the conference. I've actually heard from some folks at Big Ten schools that are trying to get information in regards to COVID testing and how much are they going to find out from their opponent and they struggle to get information there. But that said, we do have a schedule, uh, pretty good slate. I mean, starting with next Friday night, let's see about Illinois this year. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, Illinois was was impressive last year until the final two games. Total, like, no-show performance against Northwestern, uh, which was really surprising considering it was a rivalry game. So I think Lovey is uh, always on the hot seat, and they open at Wisconsin, which is going to have some, an interesting situation at quarterback. So potentially good Friday night game. And then Saturday, just looking at it, okay, Rutgers, Michigan State, blah, Nebraska, Ohio State. And you guys, uh, the whole the whole Fox crew is going to be doing that, right? The, the game yeah. day crew with, uh, with Urban and all those guys are certainly going to give that the big-time treatment. So that is the one to watch in that window, needless to say. And then a couple of Saturday night games. I'm really interested in, in Minnesota-Michigan, and, and then the Caps yes. also play Saturday. But that Minnesota-Michigan game has my attention. 100%. I mean, Minnesota is flying under the radar uh, again this year, which is quite surprising. Like, I mean, I guess they feel like P.J. Fleck is is peaked and, you know, it's going to fall. I was looking at it. I mean, they're 7-1 to one just to win the Big Ten West. I mean, I think they have a better team than that especially getting uh, you know Rashad Bateman and a lot of those guys back who they thought were going to opt out. So I think if you're Minnesota, you're feeling good. Um, you know, Michigan just kind of has lost a lot of momentum. Only one offensive lineman back. Um, interesting story by Pete Thamel of Yahoo the other day about Jim Harbaugh's contract. I don't know if you saw that one. Hmm. You know, most coaches, it's just years and years and years. And some of them are just symbolic in terms of how many years they have left on their deal because everybody can be fired for a certain price. But Jim, I think his expires technically after this season, which is really strange. And he's making $8 million a year. So wouldn't it be nice if Jim Harbaugh came out and said, I understand that Michigan is running uh, a budget deficit, and I am more than happy to get by on 3 or $4 million a year. Wouldn't that be refreshing? <laughs> I know, um, you know, way back when in the Woody Hayes, Bo Schembechler days, I don't know if you heard this one. This was in Mike Rosenberg's book. Woody Hayes went a year where he refused to pay raise because he didn't want to contribute to inflation. <laughs> so oh. that's how it was in the seventies. A lot of those guys, uh, you know, stood for something bigger than just, uh, making as much as you possibly can. That is odd on the Harbaugh contract. How about, is it just a foregone conclusion that the favorites are Ohio state and Wisconsin? I mean, certainly Ohio State. You know, if you want to roll the dice on Penn State, I'm looking at it. I think Penn State is 7-1 to one to win the East. So I guess it's just a question of, you know, risk tolerance. You kind of feel like one of these years, Penn State just has to maybe catch some breaks against Ohio State and, and get it done. But this Ohio State team, how do you count against it? I mean, this team has absolutely everything. Um, I mean, as great offensively as these guys were, Last year with Justin Fields and the year before with Dwayne Haskins, some people feel like this is going to be the best offense that Ohio State has ever had. You know, a a little susceptible in the secondary, but I I certainly understand why Ohio State, where you have to bet. Oh, these are the funniest odds I've ever seen. 20 to 57. They can't just say one to three. It's (laughs) 20 to 57. But I think I would wager $57 to win 20 on uh, Ohio State in the East. 
little tighter in the West, right? I mean, it's not That's quite right. as clear cut in the West. Really bunched. And, you know, I was going to say going in, I mean, Northwestern is a great sleeper uh, for several reasons. I mean, first of all, the, the crossover games against the East, you, you almost couldn't have it any better. Um, obviously, you'd like to play Rutgers. But short of not being able to play Rutgers, they've got Maryland and Michigan State, which are, you know, two teams that are really – almost in rebuilding mode. I mean, Maryland obviously has talent every year. You know, sometimes they, they win a bunch to start the season as, as Michael Oxley's crew did last year. And then they completely fell apart. Michigan state might have the second worst roster uh, in the big 10. So that's good. Uh, Northwestern also got eight spring practices in, mm -hmm. uh, which I know they feel great about. Obviously a new offensive coordinator there and Mike Bajakin. And most importantly, they're going to go from literally the worst quarterback play in the country to having Peyton Ramsey, who last year, you know, was fifth in the Big Ten in QB rating. So, obviously, he's a guy who's got just a wealth of experience. Diane to show off for the pro for, for the pro scouts, you know, that, that he has NFL potential. And I'm sure people have just kind of fallen asleep out on the cats after that miserable season. So, but Northwestern is you're not getting that much back if you bet them seven to one. Same as Nebraska, seven to one. Iowa six to one. Minnesota five to one. Wisconsin roughly two to one. I, I would roll the dice on Minnesota or Northwestern on that side. Teddy, uh, the, the baseball playoffs are steaming right along. We're into the championship series is now. I was surprised, and maybe the folks in Chicago weren't, that the White Sox cut Rick Renteria loose uh, earlier in the week. Um, was it a surprise in the Windy City? And, and is Joe Torrey, or is he, or Tony LaRusso, rather, is he a legitimate yeah. candidate for this job? Who's older? Joe yeah. Torre or Tony Larusa? I, I bet it's close. It's really close. I think Tony is 76, absolutely. So I was definitely not surprised. I mean, we've actually seen this once before with Rick Renteria. He, he was in one year with the Cubs, and then the Cubs uh, said, oh, we can hire Joe Madden. Why don't we upgrade and get a better manager? I think Rick Renteria is just average. I mean, he, he yeah. certainly communicates well, especially with the – the Latin players, I mean, he's totally bilingual. He's a very nice man. He's not offensive. He, you know, he, he stands for some good stuff. Like, he's certainly not afraid to bench players who are not hustling. Did that several times with the White Sox. Some of the choices were kind of controversial. Um, you know, some seem nitpicky, but, but I like the fact that he would do it. But bottom line is, I, I think they can do better. I mean, I think A.J. Hinch is probably a much mm -hmm. better manager um, you know, almost maybe like a young Joe Madden in a lot of ways, great personality, uh, really good on the diamond X's and O's great with media responsibilities. Um, so I, I think more of a total package. So I, I think the white Sox did the right thing here. And plus, I don't know, Greg, if you sat through that uh, game three of their playoff series uh, against Oakland, but that was such an abomination. I sort of felt like somebody needed to be fired for that. I mean, that was, <laughs> like what four and a half hours of just torture i mean like is is this what baseball has come to where you've got 17 pitchers in the game it was it, it was brutal so um when ricky lost that one i definitely thought okay uh he might be out here the guys tell me joe torrey's 80 so he's got four years on la Russa. so uh, there you go yeah um, absolutely the lakers win the nba title are you ready now to give lebron his respect i mean the guy's he wants his respect. What is that all about? Who doesn't respect LeBron James? I don't get this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you called me the second best sports writer in history, I would definitely feel respected. <laughs> so I think calling LeBron the second best player in the history of basketball is is pretty good. I mean, maybe some people will then come in and say, no, 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 he's not Bill Russell or you know, Wilt Chamberlain or this or that. And obviously a lot of people feel like LeBron is number one, but I'm sorry. Maybe it is being a homer, even though I'm not actually from Chicago, but I think the last dance to me was such a reminder of what Michael accomplished in that era. I mean, you know, the, the final score was 82 to 80 and he's scoring 32 points. Um, the league just did not protect its stars then. I mean, certainly didn't protect him when they went into the lane. I mean, when Michael Jordan went into the lane and got clobbered, sometimes he would get the call and sometimes he wouldn't. So in this, you know, open era of basketball now that is offense friendly, like 
how would Michael not be scoring 40-something a game yeah. if he wanted to? And one of the best defensive players who's ever lived. So LeBron, amazing, done it with so many different teams. Um, take nothing away. But uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sticking with Michael here. Yeah, I just I just don't get LeBron. I mean, I think everybody raves about him. I, crazy, but they want it. Good for them. Good stuff. We'll uh, we'll chat next week. Enjoy your final yep. weekend without Big Ten football. Yeah, I've got some good SEC games to watch. Yeah. Unfortunately, some have been postponed, and then we've got that whole interesting situation with Georgia and Alabama. See how uh, Nick Saban is going to try to remain in the game plan. So some good ones on Saturday, but cannot wait till next weekend, Greg. Good talking with you as always. Nothing good on TV anymore? Struggling to find something to watch? There's no crying in baseball! Well, we've got you covered. I'm going to make him an offer he can with you. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. It's time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! Okay, let's see what's been on the screens of all of our guys. Ben? Yeah, thumbing through Netflix last night <laughs> trying to find something to watch and, you know, scrolling through the movies and... And maybe the recently added tab and, and found found this one that people might want to check out. There are rich teams and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. That's a dollar, man. What? Welcome to Oakland. I need more money. We're not New York. Find players with the money that we do have. I like Perez. Got an ugly girlfriend. Ugly girlfriend means no confidence. You guys are talking the same old nonsense. Like we're looking for Fabio. We got to think differently. Who's Fabio? Your goal shouldn't be to buy players. Your goal should be to buy wins. And in order to buy wins, you need to buy runs. Who are you? I'm Peter Brand. First job in baseball? It's my first job anywhere. Jonah Hill, Brad Pitt star in the hit called Moneyball. Interesting. Wow. Those that are into baseball, into crunching numbers, into the small market teams, this one might be for you. Interesting. Really good movie, right? Everybody, everybody. Those that have seen it. Everybody's seen it, right? Yes, everybody here. Right. Oh, man. Is Is it one of your top five baseball movies, Ben? Would you put it that uh, high up yeah, or not? It just depends on the day. I think you got to ask me. Today, yeah, I'd probably put it in my top well, five baseball it, it, movies. But and you might have to divvy out baseball movies to a comedy category yes. of baseball and then just a drama yeah, category. I mean, the top, my top five for baseball constantly changes, right? Field of Dreams and Sandlot, Major League, Bull Durham. I mean, it's just it's hard to it's hard to slot them. I mean. It's like picking your favorite kid. Mm-hmm. That should be easy for you now. You only have one. Like for though. Josh and I, is not that hard. Right. But for Greg, it wouldn't be a fun choice. True. But you, don't you agree, Josh? You'd have if you had yes. a comedy category, you'd go one direction. If you got a dr- oh. maybe the maybe the natural makes a drama category, but it doesn't make your top five. Phenomenal movie. Yes. Great movie. That's yeah. I, I think you have to split them up a little bit because yeah, I, I yeah, I'd have to think about what what my top ones would be, and then yeah, I think you have to kind of split them up into those two different categories because otherwise, it's not really a fair. Fair fight. Here, here's my – whenever I ask this, get asked this question, and it's at least once a year, the way that I look at it is if I could only watch one baseball movie one more time, which one am I watching? And what's I the think answer? I think to me that's, that's kind of where I go. Is it Moneyball? Um, today <laughs> today is, is probably Field of Dreams. Like okay. If I can only watch one baseball movie, yeah. um, give me something dramatic, give me something that pulls at me, give me some, some history of the game. And throw it in there. So that's okay. that's pro- that's probably how I would answer that question. Interesting about you brought that up, and I know i got to get going here, but um, I was over in Iowa last week playing some golf, and mm. I talked to some guys who were in that area and ran into Coster when they were shooting that movie. They actually nice. shot it there, and that they, they played golf together one time. They saw him at one of the pubs in town, said he was a great guy. Cool. So there you go. Nice. Josh. All right, I, I've been—I haven't been on this in a while, so I've—I've I've, I've watched a few things. We're still going through uh, Marvel movies in order. We just most recently watched Avengers: Infinity War, and then I don't know if I'm going to get made fun of or not for this one, but 
Uh, we're, my wife and I are big fans of um, the Great British Baking Show, and that's back Ooh, for a new season. Yep. So they're releasing it one episode weekly at a time on, on Netflix, and so we've watched the Man, first the few old of that. days. Josh, one episode a week? Yeah, what are you doing? it's crazy. You sit there and wait a whole week. <laughs> it's really hard. It's really hard. Infinity War is one of my top three Marvel movies. Oh, it's so good. It's really yeah. good. Very yep. different than, than the other ones. Yep. Austin. All right, so still going through Designated Survivor. That's still on the list. Ben took my Moneyball pick. That's <laughs> now on Netflix. It's number two trending, actually, on Netflix wow. in the movies and new releases. So everyone in the world except our own Tim Curran is watching it right now, it seems. But since it's October, it's getting that time of year. I'm going through Stranger Things again, a little bit more on the, the creepy sci-fi end of things. I'm usually not a big fan of that kind of stuff, that kind of suspense, drama creepy monster stuff, but I, I've really enjoyed Stranger Things. I love it, and I can't wait for season four. Good. I have not seen this, but it has my attention. I want to see if somebody has. Maybe you can text us if you have. But Ted Lasso is now out on Apple TV. It's a comedy about an American football coach that goes to Europe to coach, takes over coaching a soccer team. And it's got Jason Sudeikis. He actually has created the show. Have you guys seen promos for this? I've seen promos, yeah, but not. I have, yeah. Yeah, not the I actual show. No, I haven't seen it. It's on Apple TV, which I do have. I just haven't got into it. But I, if, if anybody's seen it, Texas, tell us what you think, because it's got my attention. And I, I pulled it up on Rotten Tomatoes the other day, and their audience gives it like a 95%. So there must be some people that really like it. So I'm going to have to just dedicate some time. Maybe when I get on some flights, Ben, I'll start watching some Ted Lasso. There you go. Get something to do. Occupy some. You won't have time. me bugging you. No. And, you know, the, the food trays, I don't know if they're going to be putting, sending those up and down the aisles. And well, if they are, they, they are. They're, they won't be, be as, as picked be over from our yeah. row. They won't be grabbed at as much. So, hey, great show tonight. Thanks again to Eric Chenander for spending an hour with us. Hope you enjoyed that. A lot of, it, a lot of information in there with the Husker defensive coordinator. Callers and guests into our show. Join us on our Sports Sunday Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family. Bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Tomorrow night, we'll hear from Austin Allen, the Husker junior tight end. Get his take on how camp has been going for the Big Red. We'll give our big top 25 picks. Have our weekend preview and all the day's headlines. Headed your way tomorrow night here on Sports Hunting. Thanks to Ben, Austin, Josh, and all of you for spending some time with us tonight. Enjoy your evening. We're back with you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.